Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here is your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Welcome to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. It is your host, John Cutton, with Soon, I just need to call this guy my co-host, John Randall, uh, from Extraordinary Financial Advisors, or XFA.com, with us today. So, uh, Johnny, say hello to the audience, please. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. This uh, progression of topics of production levels and what you're dealing with, what the issues are, how to get to the next level. It's been really great. We've gotten a lot of great feedback on it, and uh, we're excited to do some more of these. And so for those of you listening or watching on YouTube, I just said to John, he looks like so professorish with his glasses. He doesn't always wear glasses, but man, he just, he, I don't know what you all think, but he just seems smarter with those glasses on. <laughs> it's the only reason I wear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2020 eyesight. This is all just, I'm telling you, just to be uh, yeah. <laughs> professorish. I, on the other hand, need glasses because I can't read anymore, um, but I refuse to wear them because uh, I don't like the way I look in glasses. And I guess I'm a little vain, uh, maybe. So anyway, um, so yes, today uh, we did get tons of good feedback uh, from listeners uh, on our last three, I guess it was, episodes where we really talked about the different levels of growing a financial advisory business. And today um, we are going to focus on advisors who are nearing that $5 million mark of gross revenue, right? So a little bit of a larger business, you might be three, four, 500 million or better in assets. And you should start thinking about what it looks like to be a five to $10 million producer before you get there. The time to start thinking about it isn't once you're there generally, it's just a little bit earlier because you should start to have some predictability to how your business is going to continue to grow. So I want to just real quickly like reframe. I love to I love to just say this uh, over and over and over again. So I'm just going to say it again, right? So remember, zero to a million uh, on average, it's grit, it's sales ability, it's just hard work and stick-to-itiveness. And uh, for most of us, that's zero to a million-ish in revenue. That million to say two and a half to three million of revenue, right? It's about having a process and a system, the client service experience, the financial planning process, what you deliver to the client, um, that that thing that you do actually creates growth in the business. Your clients don't leave you. They give you more of their wallet share and they ultimately introduce you to their friends and family, right? And you've even built other ways to bring some clientele into the business, okay? That's that second phase of, of, of growth. And then the third phase of growth, which is more where I think we'll focus more of our time today. And remember, these blend over a little bit, right? You, you, there, it's almost like, um, you know, connecting the dots backwards, right? In phase two and three of growth, you still got to make sure that things in phase two are happening, that client experience just doesn't necessarily mean that you're in charge of it, right? And you've got to start to elevate. And again, 10X is easier than 2X. I didn't even tell you this, Johnny. I, I got to uh, interview Dan Sullivan on my podcast. I don't even think I told you that yet. So he'll be, uh, he might be released before or after you, but I'm super pumped. So 10X is easier than 2X. We got to go kind of deep on that. And it's just about continuing to recreate what's your next 10x, right? And that's really what we're kind of talking about here. But that third phase of growth, 
Um, it's really about how we actually use leverage, right? And you can leverage three things, capital, technology, and human capital or people, right? And in order to actually generally leverage human capital, you need to develop leadership skills, so on, et cetera. So um, with that kind of frame out, John, when you start to think about that $5 million to $10 million space as advisors, like what's the paradigm shift? What what do they need to be thinking about to think a little bit differently maybe than they were in the previous phase of business growth? Probably the biggest difference here is, is others are executing, not so much the the owner, the the, the CEO, uh, which is is the role that that's you know the owner evolves into. Um, it's others are doing it in the earlier stages. It's it's the owners, the one grit and grind, right? Even at like over a million, they're still the star that's doing the most and making it happen. That two to five million we covered last time. That's a tough stage. I mean, that's where you're kind of building the pieces and rebuilding the foundation. And once you get over, you know, 5 million, okay, there's some revenue here to work with, and you've got a little bit more firepower. And this is the stage where it gets a little bit easier to take off because it is about other people. It's not about you as the owner doing everything. It's other people are the ones executing. So as, as, as Cutton said, the leadership and helping these people is really critical, may not be at the stage yet that you can um, have enough right to hire like a, a sales manager for all your advisors who not, might not quite be there yet. We see that over over 10 million where some of those who's uh, get into place. So you're probably going to have to do that. But I think the biggest difference is you're not going to be the one who's seeing all the clients, who's bringing in all the new clients. You're going to be developing your advisors to do that. You're going to be working on different things. And in the essence of 10x is easier than 2x, I mean, the whole concept is 20% of what you do is really going to help you get to 10x. The other 80% is going to limit you to only 2x. So what are those things that you could do? It's it's helping the other people in their team. Maybe you're more in the mergers and acquisition space, whereas the other advisors are the ones working with clients, driving organic growth of doing more with clients, getting referrals, getting new clients, new net flows in the door. So that that's probably the biggest shift right there, which is hard change, right? If you're the one that's been doing everything, it's hard to let go and let others do it. I think that's one of the biggest challenges at this uh, this crossover. So John, let me let me drill down a little more though. Let me ask you a question. So you coach lots of advisors in that five to $10 million space. Honestly, you coach more advisors in that space than anyone I know. doesn't mean there's no one doing more of it, but you do as much of it as anybody that I know, probably more of it. Um, is it is it a different way of thinking? Is it CEO versus practitioner? I'm going to hit you with a cut and two step. Is it CEO versus practitioner? And the second piece is the folks that you're coaching or the practices you know at that level, are they still a practitioner in most cases? I'm sure there's a different answer, but are they working with clients 50% of their time, 100% of their time, 10% of their time, 0% of their time, or do you find it all over the you know place in different direction? Yeah, it, it is a great question. I find at the most part, they're working with a small group. They've got a really small group, usually 50 clients or less, mm -hmm. uh, who are you know very high net worth, create a lot of revenue. Um, <clears throat> it's usually the case, not, not a lot of them are completely out of that. Um, they still got some of that work. So it's still a smaller percentage of the week. So, right. I mean, think about it, that could be done in one day of the week instead of like, you know, three or four days of the week when you're at a million. 
So um, it's it's usually the case there that that there's some on the plate there, but it, it's that transition to more of the CEO role is is really the key. And 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 just going back to that's probably the hardest part because um, everything I learned getting the uh, my PhD work in psychology, I me mean, as humans we crave equilibrium, right? And and we when when something's different or there's change or it requires us going out of our comfort zone, our brain says no. That's not the way we do things around here. We, we stay in this bubble here. You know, you want to go outside, that's bad. So we have to go out and change and get outside of that bubble if we're really going to grow. And it comes down to letting go, right? We have to probably let go of the 100, 200 clients on your plate and somebody else on your team or a combination of other advisors, maybe in a diamond team setting, needs to work with those clients. So that's the hardest part is letting go of that role that really defined you all the way to this point and to let go of that is really tough for people and it's it's all these self-limiting beliefs of you know well the other advisors won't be as good as me and uh they can't keep these clients and you know i'm everything for them i love them we've got to get over that stuff you've got to get through that stuff and spend most of your week really being that true ceo leading other people to execute greatness for the firm and also getting into mergers and acquisitions. That stuff takes a lot of time, a lot of time. And if you look at the people on your team, you're probably the one capable of doing it. You know, advisors can serve as clients all day long. They probably can't do mergers and acquisitions. So it's a complete role shift that that really happens where it's much less of the, the client role, much more of leading others, much more of mergers and acquisitions. That's the, the big shift. So it is very much more CEO, minimal to some amount of still being the practitioner, working with a very small group, most of them 50 or less clients. So one of the things that I would say, John, is um, completely agree with everything you said, by the way. Um, here's, here's a um, very uh, direct statement for me to make. Most advisors in the industry and most that are listening to this don't crest five million. Yes. Or or get in that five to ten million dollar space. And and that and that's okay, by the way, right? It's not what everybody wants to do, clearly. But I would say, and I'd like to see if you would agree, that the reason that advisors don't get there is because of their self-limiting beliefs and because of their lack of ability to change their role of becoming going from i'm the advisor i work with all of the clients or the best all of the best clients even right and my job is defined as being a financial advisor would you would you agree with that a hundred percent it's it's very much uh the thing that holds people back And, and i think you're right a lot never get to this level and, and there's so many um, like glass ceilings along the way. I mean, the, the the practitioner that's trying to do everything themselves. I mean, I've said it before in these that, you know, a million, 1.5 million. I mean, that that's like the sound barrier for an individual producer. It's really hard. There's only so much time. It's really hard to go beyond that. And yeah, of course, uh, unless you, unless, sorry to interrupt you, Johnny, of course, unless you work with ultra high net worth clients, right? And so there and is- Of course, there's absolute exception, but typical advisor is going to cap out there, right? They're going to yeah. cap out. Um, yeah, I've seen people do three, four million by themselves, but they're outliers. It's, that's not typical. It's not normal. Um, but th- it's very much the stage where 
you've got to let go of so many things and it's just, it's hard. And so I think that's probably the biggest reason that holds people back. The other thing I see too is um, just their structure of, of the practice is maybe built for only two, two and a half million. And that's why they can't crest over that, that point. So, so I'll, I'll give an analogy here of a foundation of a building. If the foundation of your, you know, your house or your building is only built to support two floors, that's all it can take. You can't build five floors, 10 floors on that foundation. It will all crumble. So I see people that have done, hey, I've got a foundation that can support two floors. I'm going to go make an acquisition and try and have four floors. Well, guess what? Those cracks are going to be greatly exposed and, and things are going to crumble. So a lot of times what happens in that you know, two to five space, it requires going back and redoing the foundation that, hey, we got to dig down. We've got to redo this foundation so that we can build on top of what we have and get to five stories, get to 10 stories, which could represent 5 million revenue, 10 million in revenue. And, it, and it's tough to do because, you know, it's the old, the things that you did that got you here are not going to be things that get you to the next level. So it's a really hard point to change. And the ones that really make those shifts and change, um, especially ones that, that we coach and work through, um, they're able to navigate those differences to get across that 5 million hurdle and even the 10 million hurdle. But most of the time it's they get stuck there because it's it's their their business structure. It, it's the people on their team. It's it's their who's not how's it's that's really their limiters. And that's why they get stuck at, you know, two and a half, three million and really struggle to get past five. Yeah. So speaking from experience, um, I had to go back in my own business. Right. So I, I mm -hmm. actually built a business that was doing north of 10 million. And then I realized, go back to, right, my zero to million is grit and sales. The two, you know, the millions, I say three-ish, or I, I always change the numbers, three, four, five, you can pick the number, it doesn't really matter. But that middle uh, level there is about having that system and that process that that's how we do business here that yes. retains the client and grows the business. I want to say it again, retains the client and organically grows the business that you're client experience, your advisors, your team has a way to do business. It's, it's your way, but that way has to be proven that it's going to grow, right? So what I did, John, is I, I I did step one. I'm not the average bear. I was grittier than most, right? And then I pushed through step two, skip some of the steps of, to use your words, building the ideal foundation. My foundation wasn't terrible, but it mm -hmm. wasn't a foundation that could build a what's today around a eight and a half or $9 billion business, right? It was a foundation that wasn't able to go where I took the business. So I exceeded what the foundation was capable of. And it was, it stressed the system, yes. right? The client experience wasn't strong enough. The advisors yeah. weren't capable enough. I didn't have a written process of how we delight the client, right? There was no accountability. So I actually overgrew then had to go back, which is way harder, mind you, while you have a bigger business and fix the foundation, right? And then put those systems. And we we figured it out. It was really hard. It took a long time, a lot of tough decisions. And then I was able to scale the business by three yes. or four X because we actually fixed the foundation. So yep. before we go a little further, um, it's another thing that you said that is exciting to me, right? Not exciting, but that I think we need to go a little deeper on. Okay, is 
I'm a little critical today, I guess, but if you're an advisor listening to this and you have not reduced the size of your client base, you have not figured out how to take on the CEO role, okay? But you want to, and you're listening to podcasts and you're reading books and you're seeking help and you're thinking about it. And then you come in every day and you do what you've always done, okay? I wanna be the voice of reason and your truth teller a little bit. 97% of you made up statistic that are in that category, you're not going to change unless you get help. That's just, you, you need to be around, whether it be a coach like John, another coach who has the skill set, or a group of five other advisors that have already done it. If you don't have that support system, you're likely not going to ever change. And how do I know that? Because I've had lots of advisors who we've coached, lots of advisors who've joined my organization, lots mm -hmm. of advisors who I've acquired their book of business that have called me for advice, right? And the reality of it is, is they are not capable. And the first role I believe, or one of the biggest attributes of a great leader is being self-aware. So sometimes you need to look in the mirror and just go, hey, I built a $3.8 million business. And I'm really good. And I'm better than the average bear. And you are, right? Um, but I'm not going to go to 10 million or 20 or 30 unless I completely change my identity. And in order to completely change my identity, I likely need a completely different structure, right? Different people around me, different thought process, just people who don't think the way I thought because it's so ingrained in your habits that unless you've got a forceful source of helping you rewire your mindset as to what you're building, you'll go back to your old habits. And I see it over and over and over again. And I just wanted to hit that and you know, love to hear any of your comments, John. And then think once we can mentally help our listeners get get to that and go, okay, maybe I need some help to change. I think we can start to talk about some of the things you need to implement once you make that change with that time that you now have by giving up some of the 80% of the stuff that you do today. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, I've I said it before, it's this uh, title of a Marshall Goldsmith book who I love. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, what got you here won't get you there. Uh, it, it's it's very much that. If you're watching on YouTube, I love when you just shove a book in the in the camera. I got like 20 just hanging right here, it's, ready to it's, roll. It's as if you have them on cue. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, it's um, it, it's difficult to even perceive what that different role is because you haven't lived it, and, and you're so right. You've got to be around other people who have made this transition, who have done it. You've got to learn from them. Or, you know, get, get some kind of coaching out for people that have, you know, either done it. What I like about the coaches on our team, they all have done it, right? They're people I've coached. They make these leaps and they like either giving back and helping part-time or they've sold their business and, and they, they like doing this. But that's the people you need to learn from is people that have, that have already done this stuff and, and learn it because they're going to show you the path. The, the most effectively. They're going to say, oh, I was just like you and stuck. And this is the changes that I made up here in my head. And this is what I did differently that helped me finally break through and, and take off because it's just, it really is. Um, it's, it's different things at this stage. It's a completely different role 
that we've ever learned that got us to this point. And, and I think that's why it's so hard to really break through the, the sound barrier. It's just completely different stuff. So it's a lot of, you know, psychology things, but it just goes back to, to change. It, it's really behavioral change is so critical. And you just need people around you to help with that knowledge and coaching to help you get there. And, um, you know, I'm thinking back to um, what uh, Cutton you talk about, Ray Kelly talks about is just adult learning, 10% some knowledge, 20% from coaching, 70% from doing, right? And you've got to get in there and do some things. But you know what? I find it accelerates learning if you're around other people that have already done it, right? You don't have to fall on your face 20 times. You could do it once and someone else says, oh, do it this way. And then you got it much faster. It, it sure. shortcuts you so quickly. And, and going back to um, uh, what the example you talked about, you know, growing very quickly to 10 million at Cut and Wealth, um, it, it's just, it's like I talked about the foundation, cracks just get exposed. That, oh, I thought the client experience was good, but now I'm seeing it's not as good and people leave and the growth that I thought was could happen is not happening. So those little cracks do get exposed, but um it's it's uh, it's just a hard shift for other people to do it, and, yeah. and you get out of, out of the way. One thing I, I will say that that you, you mentioned quickly that I think a lot of people don't do out there. You said you know documenting what's done and really showcasing what's done. That's probably the biggest gap that I see for for a lot of you listening. A lot of your business or or your ways are probably stuck in your head, and you may have shared it with someone on your team like once or twice, but. Um, just looking back at um, the, the traction book by, by Gina Wickman, also another one looking at, I know we, we talk about that a lot. We're going to talk about EOS, uh, I'm sure here, but um, they talk about when it comes to the vision, on average, you have to share it seven times for people to start to get set. And so that's the average number, meaning it might take 20 times for you to say something for it set into other people. So a lot of times an owner might say, oh, we do it this way around here. And they say it once, maybe they talk about it twice, but it's just, it's not enough. It's gotta be documented. It's gotta be talked about a lot to be completely ingrained in the team. And so to really document what you do and even leverage you know, veterans on your team that have been around to help document what you do, what is the way, so in cut wealth, what is the cut and wealth way? You know, what is your firm's way that you do things around there? The, the more you have the information organized, the easier it will be for other people to grasp. So that's part of this too, is, is it's about you shifting and letting go and other people doing, but they're not going to be able to do unless what they need to do is so simple and crystal clear. And I would try and dummy it down to the simplest steps possible, make it very easy for someone to just pick up and execute and do, take the complexity away. That is such a gap in so many practices, but the one, if you can do that, if you can document along the way, you can take some like pit stops and pause and do that. Oh, it, it makes the biggest difference. And it really helps get over that hurdle of, of 5 million. And it does get easier actually, when you get to this space, when you do cross over five, you do cross over 10, it, it is easier to grow. It's just it's getting to this point, I think is so difficult. And then getting out of this point, crossing over, you know, 10 million to eight figures in, in revenue. That, that's a big business. It's really tough, but documenting, making those changes, it's, it's those simple things make the biggest difference.
Hey, Quantum Growth for Financial Advisor listeners. One ask of all of you, as you know, we do these simply to help all of you grow your businesses and grow your practices, become better leaders, better advisors, more valuable to your community. Share this with a friend, give us five stars, make a comment. Uh, We'd love to get more and more listeners. The world of abundance is out there, so don't be shy to share it with other financial advisors in the industry. Thank you, as always. Yeah, so John, as you were talking, as usual, 10, 10 or 12 uh, thoughts went through my mind. So a few, few things I would just echo um, and, and maybe go even a step deeper on. Um, one is when you go back to adult learning, right? And you talked about 10, 20, 70. One of, the, one of the things that I've heard Ray talk about and it really resonates with me is the 20% is actually the multiplier. That's the great multiplier. The knowledge is just knowledge. The doing, right? Obviously the 70% is where the results actually occur. But you, the ability to go from the learning to the doing has to come through coaching or environment okay Mm -hmm. otherwise what you're relying on is your ability to change without any external force which by the way there are people out that out there that do that i happen to be one of those people um it's why i've grown my business to the level that i have i i didn't i don't need an outside influence i've kind of see things and have that internal motivation i'm i'm a little crazy, right? Um, But most people don't have that. And if you haven't done it yet, it's likely because you don't have the ability to go through the behavioral change yet. So the great Mm -hmm. multiplier is recognizing that and then being able to surround yourself with someone or a group who's done it before to actually help you start doing the 70%, which is where all the magic happens, right? But if people, you know, they learn, they don't apply that learning because change is hard. You don't get to do the 70% for long enough to drive the desired outcome. So Paul Latham has been a guest on the podcast. Um, Paul is Anton Anderson's partner, who's one of, as you know, John, our founding members of the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate. I've learned a ton from Paul. Two things that I'll share about Paul. Paul tells his story. He he grew up in the accounting space or a different world. Um, but he always says that he was a time traveler, which means he he's from the UK. And um, what he the way he would tell the story is what the US is going through in our accounting world, what what CPA firms here are going through is what the UK went through 20 or 30 years ago, which is accountants in the UK aren't necessarily, um, their their main job is not doing compliance work, meaning tax preparation and uh, audits and things along those lines. They do it, but their, num- their, their number one role is actually being a business advisor, if that makes sense. And where our accounting world is going to here in the US, if you follow it at all, which I do uh, very deeply, is ca- accountants and CPAs are being forced to recreate themselves and they are they're being forced to actually be more of a business advisor than they are just a backwards looking accountant. They need to be a forward looking advisor and help their business clients or individual clients actually grow, right? And, and advise them to do so. 
Um, so Paul, because this is what they did in England, saw it 20 years ago. When he relocated to the U.S., he was like, man, I've seen this story before. I know everything that's going to And he built a whole company around it, which is an amazing company. Um, I consider myself and I consider you, John, to be a little bit of a time, a time traveler in that I've already seen it. I already made the mistake yeah. from 5 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40, and I'm making the mistakes from 40 to 80 right now. You've watched me make those mistakes, John, and you've helped many advisors go from 5 to 10 and 10 and above, right? So you need a time traveler, and that is ultimately why we're here on the podcast. It's why we've created the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate. It's why we do some of the masterminds that we do, et cetera. So that that 20% of coaching can actually go come from someone who's been there, done that, okay? And then the last thing that I wanted to say, I've got a lot, very chatty as usual today, is, you know, again, another Paul Latham uh, thing that I stole from him, I say it all the time now, is you need to make the intangible tangible. Mm -hmm. So your process is intangible if it is in your brain. It becomes yes. tangible if it is in CRM for everyone to drive your, you know, how, or for that matter, if, if it's on a piece of paper, that's, you know, stapled to a wall, it's better than it being in your something. Brain, right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I always use McDonald's, right? So McDonald's, what's a Big Mac? It's two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickle, onions on a sesame seed bun. If you're in our age group. You remember that's how you make a Big Mac. And if you go into a McDonald's. That's what you're going to get. If you walk into a financial planning practice, you can't get one all beef patty, no special sauce, extra pickles, uh, and tomatoes, right? That That is not the way McDonald's delivers a Big Mac, right? They deliver it the same way each and every time. And I guess you can get it the way you want it, McDonald's too, but you, you, you hopefully the, uh, the message there ultimately connects. So I just wanted to hit those points, John. What I'd like to move to is so to set the stage for where I think we are, right? We're we're understanding that, you know, we need to be a CEO, right? We're understanding change is hard. You probably need someone to help you with that 20%, right? That coaching so that you can yeah. move. Um, if you recognize those things and then you start to think about what's next in the journey. So you've made the decision to do that. You've put a system or process in place to reduce your client base, all things we've talked about. You now have time, okay? Jump in the gun here. There's a process to do that. You can't wiggle your nose and make that happen overnight. But let's pretend for a minute you're there. You've got 50 clients. They all have $2 million or better on average. They don't take an awful lot of your time. You're a $5 million producer and you want to go to 10, Okay. What would you say, John, is your next best action as you start to think about how to plan the future and how to actually run the organization? Yeah, th this shift, um, <clears throat> it really has a lot to do with capacity management. You know, what can the advisors on your team handle? You know, what are the the, the metrics? How many um, clients can, can they service? So there's there's so many industry studies out there. A lot of them say it's 160 if they're fully engaged clients having like quarterly real interactions. It's you just add up the numbers and the time. It's it's around there. If they have a blended client, some clients that don't require that much. Um, Moss Adams did a study so there's about 250. Uh, clients an advisor could handle. So you look at just the quality of client that that your firm's going to service. You look at the the advisor force, 
it becomes about capacity management. So yes, organic growth is critical. Advisors always have to be doing more with clients. There's endless business with them. We've always got to be doing that. Getting referrals, having sources of ways that, you know, hopefully professional alliances and you're bringing in uh, new clients for the firm is really critical. But to maintain a, a really high growth level, you're going to have to play in the mergers and acquisition space, right? To grow at 20, 30% a year, it's just going to require that. And if you're going to have acquisitions, that's great, but it also really requires capacity management. You've got to have advisors on your team who are ready, right? They're fully trained in your ways. They can execute in their ways. They, they have experience in your firm's ways. And if there was a big absorption of multiple hundreds of clients to an acquisition, it can be handled. If you have an acquisition and don't have the force to do it, it, it's not going to work. So it's a lot of this is going to be, be the balance of, okay, what does our advisor force look like? What is our structure there? Uh, how many clients and revenue can be handled? And then what can we handle from a pipeline of, of acquisitions? Some practices say, gosh, we can probably handle one a year realistically, just where our advisor force is at and how quickly we're finding advisors or, or you know, training them up within our firm. Um, but some practices might be handled more say, right. Hey, we've got a bunch of people on our bench that are ready to go. Yeah. It's not as profitable along the way to do that, to be paying some people to be on the bench ready. It's more profitable. have everyone maxed out doing, you know, half million, a million in production per advisor. I mean, that's a much more profitable business, but if you're going to grow and scale, you've got to have some advisors on the bench. You've got to have advisors with some capacity who can handle that next acquisition. So we've got some that handle multiple per year, some that can handle one every quarter because they've got the bench built and they're willing to say, Hey, I'm not going to take, you know, 2 million out of the business. I'm fine with taking half million out of the business and have a great living. And I'm going to reinvest some of that to get great people here and get them ready to handle these acquisitions. So yes, growth fundamentals are key, but it's going to be how much can you acquire? What do you need on your advisor force to handle that? And, and again, managing that capacity, that's a big part of that stage of growth. And, and again, for you as the owner, this is the shift. You've got to be more in this space because you're out of so many client meetings. You're working more of these things and evaluating who do we need to bring in for advisors? What's our pipeline of acquisition opportunities? You know, how can we load in more of those? Because they all don't work out. Uh, how can we manage that? It's a lot of time there. It's a really a lot of time. But that that balance is is really key. And people that figure that out easily cross over 10 million. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're exactly right, John. And you know, as we're talking here, I want to be a little mindful of time. And I think this is going to be worthy of a um part two, uh, yeah. as well, um, you know, where I'd like to go on the next episode. Cause I think if we keep going here, um, we're going to, we're going to overwhelm people a little bit. I think we can <laughs> kind of break there, but from a part two perspective, I can share. And I know John, this is what you generally help advisors with as well is to me, when you've made the decision, right. And you've actually said, I'm, I am now CEO. I am no longer advisor. I'm CEO. I am the, you know, the visionary of this business. The next best action where I'd like to go deeper on is, well, how do you build the vision? And John, you started to hit 
the pieces of the vision, which is, well, how many advisors, I mean, how many clients per advisor and how many do I need and how many positions do I need to do and how many CPA alliances do I need and do I need a marketing team and do I need a business development team and, uh, you know, and, and what's my pricing look like? And there's a million things that go into that. But I believe where a lot of advisors go wrong is they don't sit down and work on the business and go, okay, I'm at 4.2 million. I want to go to 10. What does it look like 10 years from now, right? It might look like a $50 million business in 10 years if you're at 4 million now, right? Um, and if you dream a little and then you start to think about it, there's lots of ways, and this is an interesting thing that I think we should go into the next time. You know, as I talk to more and more advisors, you're 100% right. Um, the, the, I would say the way we find most advisors get to that level is by engaging in some level of M&A, right? Because it's it just creates mm -hmm. quantum growth and, right, you take someone's 30 years of building a business and you acquire it or you merge it and poof, uh, you've you know doubled or you've you know twenty percent growth, et cetera. But there's also something to be said for building other systems to organically grow at scale, right? So whether that be a robust CPA partnership, whether that be a robust marketing system, a seminar program, CPA alliances, buying accounting firms, right? Partnering with accounting firms utilizing digital marketing, so on, et cetera, right? Um, the fees that you charge, uh, high, we've talked a lot about that. Uh, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're not charging enough or you're not doing planning, right? So as you start to kind of think and where I think it'll lead is us really going maybe a little deeper on EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system or 40X, lots of different tools. Um, I'd love to go deep there and then start to actually, um, I don't want to say script out, but but think through all of the different possibilities of, I like to call it the verticals, right? The different units mm -hmm. as the CEO that you have to have in your business and how to actually start to get those things spinning towards your 10-year plan. Would you think that would be productive for the next session? Yeah, that's really great because it gets down to um, you know more of the nitty-gritty how-to, what's, what's working there. And uh, there, there's some great components and it's, uh, you know, th this is, Fun for me before we started this, I said the cut and I said, gosh, this like I this is all I talk about all day, every day is, is with these practices. This, this is all I work with and uh, to dig deeper on, OK, this is what they're using. This is the tools, this is the structure. These are the things that really help them get to the next level. And just going back to organizing the information, I mean, the entrepreneur organization system, mm -hmm. EOS, I mean, it, it helps. You need things like that to be, you know, your compass and to really help you get to 10x you need some guides and some things like this. So just to get a glimpse into what, you know, other large practices that have made this leap and gone past 10 million, what are they using to, to grow here? I think that would be, that would be great. It pulls the curtain back just a little bit more. Yeah, let's do that. I didn't, I didn't probably uh, think I was going to go as deep. So my, uh, my, my usual way is when I get excited, I go deep. I think, I think the mindset part, I thought we would go quicker on today, but honestly, as we got into it, it became clearer to me. That, that's yeah. that's it until you're self-aware enough to go hey you know what i'm not changing and there's a reason i'm not changing i need to i need to change the way i think then all we're doing right now is we're giving people information right so i want to i want to let people digest that and then on the next episode um i want to you know switch from mindset and thinking differently 
to once you have a different mindset and you're thinking differently, well, what the heck do you do? How do you, how do you teach yourself how to think that way as a CEO? Now that you are one, you kind of need a little bit of a process uh, to ultimately do that. So I think um, that would be a great way uh, for us to kind of put a cap on uh, this $5 million to $10 million piece. So Johnny, any uh, final remarks or anything that, uh, that you wanted to hit before we wrap for today's session? No, I just say th these are so much fun. I mean, as you listened here, uh, John Cudney is an outlier, which is why he's gone so far down the path. But the best part of these podcasts is just learning from someone that, that's gone so far. And it's really fun to do these and just show, hey, here's the roadmap for you. And, and you can do it, too. I mean, that's the great thing about here is um, there's there's regular people that are regular advisors that have made these leaps and i think it's become you know from a lot of things you've talked about here cutting it's just it's learning from others learning the path and then starting starting to take some steps to walk those paths so the more we can showcase on the path and show you here it's uh it's really fun to do this so looking forward to more yeah absolutely well said johnny and i am a regular person by the way i just again i, I want to connect this for our audience it's just a different way of thinking. And like, it's it's once you see it and you learn it, you can't unsee it and learn it, right? It just takes a, a while of doing it. And like I said, I've got the luxury of being in a time machine. I can go back and remember what it was to be a $5 million or $10 million producer. And I could, I know what I thought then, right? And now I know what I know now. And that's, why I'm so passionate and I do these podcasts and we've created the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate is I want to take that knowledge, right? And your knowledge and the rest of the founding members' knowledge and give it away, right? And give it to advisors so that they have not only the knowledge, um, the 10%, but a little bit of the 20% too, to be around people like us who are doing these things on a day-to-day -day basis because it takes yeah. a little bit, but that's how mindset ultimately changes is by hearing the same thing at least seven times, right? As you said before, and for most, it yeah. might be 20. Um, and from someone who's been there uh, and ultimately done that. So um, with that being said, I do have an ask of our listeners. Um, and my ask is, as you know, we have no paid ads. We don't ask for anything uh, at all other than to um, maybe share it with a friend here and then. Um, I do have an ask and my ask is, check out the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate. Go to join FASS.com. It is absolutely free. Uh, it is myself, as we've talked about. It is John. It is Anton Anderson. It is Ray Kelly. It is David Grau Jr. It is Tina Beck. It is Frank LaRosa. Um, it's a lot of the guests that we've had here. These are the people that I rely on that are my trusted experts in different fields that are unbelievable thought leaders like John is. Um, and I would love uh, as a favor to me for you to join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, check it out, give us feedback, engage. And I genuinely think um, it will be like nothing you've ever participated in before. And it will genuinely help you create quantum growth inside of your wealth management business. So with that being said, there's my shameless selling for nothing you need to buy just to help you a little bit more. Um, but uh, as we wrap, John, thanks again uh, for being on the show. We'll have you back uh, right away again for part two of this. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of Quantum Growth for Financial Advisors. If you yourself or anyone you know could be a good, interesting guest, uh, shoot us a note, let us know, and we'll see if we can get you or that special person on. So make it a great day, and thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.